and one and two and two and one and oh shucks I can't dance Welcome to Stories from the Open Gov, a podcast dedicated to telling the stories about what open government and open data look like. My name is Richard Pietro. And my name is Troy Whitmore. Today's stories are about the Guelph Civic Accelerator, the Open Data in Reverse method for publishing data sets, and DynSafe TO. We begin today's episode with the Guelph Civic Accelerator, a pilot project launched in 2016 whose goal was to change how government buys things. Also known as procurement. What the city of Guelph wanted to do is find a way to make procurement open and allow companies of all sizes, especially startups, to take part in that procurement process. Now, this is an oversimplification, but government procurement is typically a one-date-and-then-you're-married exercise. The government issues a request for proposal, also known as an RFP, assesses the bids, chooses one, and then a contract is signed. And that contract could last for decades, even if the company is doing a cruddy job or if the solution wasn't the right one. For example, in 2010, Terranet signed a $1 billion 50-year contract extension with the province of Ontario to operate Ontario's land registry system. For the duration of that 50-year contract, all of that land registry data belongs to Terranet, essentially giving them a monopoly. Needless to say, open data advocates were not happy with this decision. Getting back on track, the traditional government procurement process has no real courtship to speak of, no getting-to-know-you period, no meeting-your-friends-and-family period, and that is a lot of pressure. Not only that, but RFPs are very limiting. They are written by public servants who assume they know the solution to their problem which is also assuming that they know their problem. Here is a very basic outline to a government RFP. Here's our problem. This is the solution we want. How are you going to do that? And how much will it cost? What the Guelph Civic Accelerator tried to do was create an environment of collaboration to find a solution to a problem alongside a potential vendor before any contract is signed. And here is a very basic outline to a Guelph Civic Accelerator RFP. We think we have a problem. We need to investigate this problem further. We also don't know what the solution is. Mind joining us for four months and we'll try and figure it out. And if we both like how things are going, then we'll draft a contract with a cost that we can both agree on. Now, at first glance, this seems like a risky proposition for vendors, especially if you are a startup. Commit resources with no secured contract for four months, and after all that, you still aren't guaranteed a contract? Luckily, the folks at Guelph came up with a great carrot. There is an Ontario law that states that once a vendor goes through a legal and competitive bidding process with a municipality, then other municipalities can piggyback on that same contract at that same time. In other words, if a startup were to win a contract as part of the Guelph Civic Accelerator, and the city of Guelph chose to buy their solution, then other municipalities in Ontario could be invited to be part of that contract. That means, all of a sudden, this startup could potentially have access to many Ontario cities, not just Guelph. And not only that, but that four-month embed period is a great opportunity for the startup to work with city staff and develop the ideal solution instead of going into it half-blind. 
So how does a public servant, who has dealt mostly with large outfits like IBM and Microsoft, know how to assess the viability of a startup? They bring in help. That's why the City of Guelph invited the Canada Open Data Exchange, the Guelph Chamber of Commerce, Innovation Guelph, the Guelph Lab, and the University of Guelph Center for Business and Student Entrepreneurship to work together and assess which bids were best suited for the city. How beautiful is that? Public servants, academics, private sector, and community stakeholders coming together and doing large-scale government procurement. Now, the Guelph Civic Accelerator has been so awesome that this has led to a much larger initiative called the Municipal Innovation Exchange. The City of Guelph is working with the Mars Discovery District, City of Barrie and London, Ontario, to find ways on how government procurement can be used as a tool to build innovation capacity and explore complex municipal challenges. And in the spirit of transparency, that last line was lifted directly from the Municipal Innovation Exchange website. And there you have it. Open government isn't just about good feelings and fun consultations. It is about changing the way government works. And this is what open government looks like. Our second story today deals with the open data in reverse method used to create Ontario's first ever open data set on affordable housing. But before we can tell you about all that, we have to tell you about ball hockey. Richard has been playing ball hockey on the weekends with the same bunch of guys for close to 20 years. And for the last few years, he's been carpooling to games with a friend of his, a fella named Roy Thomas, who also happens to be a public servant with the province of Ontario. Now, Roy has known about my work in OpenGov and Open Data because I've been pestering him about it for years. And one day, Roy turned to me and he said, You know, Richard, I think I can finally do something about Open Data, but I don't know where to start. And I pounced on that immediately. Richard told him he had this idea about releasing open data sets in reverse so that the end users would be involved right from the beginning. For those of you who don't know, the way an open data set is typically released has the end users last. And it goes like this. A government department issues a mandate to release open data sets and that information eventually trickles down to the public servants who will actually be doing the work. And what they have to do is find a potential data set that could become an open data set, then they have to clean it, anonymize it, have it vetted, pass through legal, prep for release, you know, adding things like the metadata and the write-up. Sometimes they even had a data dictionary and a glossary, which is great. Uh, they also have to decide in how many formats to release the open data set. And then all of this eventually has to be populated on the open data portal. And the end users have no idea it exists. Because there's been no marketing, no communication plan, no excitement, no buzz, maybe a tweet, but that's about it. And if the end users eventually find out about the open data set, it is possible it might not even be right for them. Why? Because they were not involved in the product development. Do you think Nike creates a brand new shoe without researching potential buyers first? Heck no. But government does it all the time when it comes to open data. So what Richard told Roy was that they should organize an event through the Open Toronto Meetup Group and invite data scientists, housing advocates, and engaged citizens. And what they do is have a discussion about the framework on what Ontario's first open data set on affordable housing should look like. Roy agreed. 
and what he and his colleague Nicholas did was put together an entity relationship diagram of their database. Think of it like a site map, but for a database. You get to see all the different data points and how each data point relates to other data points. There was even a quick summary of what each data point was all about. However, what the entity relationship diagram did not have is personally identifiable information. So no privacy laws were being broken. So what Roy, Nicholas, Richard, members from Open Toronto and these special guests did was have a two and a half hour conversation about which data points from the database were needed for the open data set. And it was a great conversation. And at the end, Roy and Nicholas had a framework for what the open data set should look like. And I also remember asking Roy how he thought the evening went. And I swear this is what he told me. I thought the advocates were going to be more demanding. And I remember asking that same question to the participants at the meetup. And I swear this is what they told me. I didn't expect government folk to be so candid. And so it was that Roy and Nicholas went out and put together Ontario's first open data set on affordable housing. Once it was ready, Richard organized an open data Iron Chef at Sheridan College. The Open Data Iron Chef is a workshop I created a few years ago that helps people learn about open data and find ways on how to use them. The students at Sheridan spent three weeks exploring and analyzing the data set, trying to come up with ways on how it could be used. And teams eventually put together pitches for an app. Following those three weeks, I organized a Dragon's Den where dragons would judge and provide feedback on the student's final project. There were dragons from Microsoft, Silicon Halton, Sheridan College, the city of Oakville, and province of Ontario, and they were all pretty heavy hitters. By having real dragons from the community, I wanted to make the exercise feel real for the students, that this wasn't just another class exercise, and the students did a great job of showcasing what could be done with this open data set if they had the proper tools, funding, and resources. This open data in reverse process even helped Roy and his team win a nationally recognized award for engagement. Now, Roy and I got lucky. We've known each other for years and we're good friends. So there was a trust that already existed between us. We also had a common goal. He had a wholly supportive boss and he had a wholly supportive staff. I had the network, he had the resources. And it all came together in perfect harmony. And this is what open government looks like. Our last story today is about the DynSafe TO open data set. It was first published in 2009 and now powers a regular feature, one of Toronto's most popular community news sites. This is how it works. Public health officials from the City of Toronto are required by law to assess the cleanliness and food safety of restaurants, then based on the assessment, restaurants will either be given a green passing grade, which means everything's okay, a yellow conditional pass, which means there are one or more significant infractions, and if an establishment gets a yellow card, they are given 24 to 48 hours to fix the problem. If it isn't fixed by then, restaurants are given a fine. And if that same significant infraction is not fixed by the third inspection, a summons to court will be issued. Lastly, and this is the worst case scenario, an establishment gets a red card, a closed notice. This is issued when one or more crucial infraction is observed during an inspection. 
and if an establishment is given a red card, then an inspector will come by every day to make sure that the establishment remains closed. If it isn't, then additional charges can be issued. And all that information and all those records are available as open data. And here's where things get fun. The City of Toronto has a public-facing application that allows people to search those records online. Basically, you put the name of a restaurant you like and you can see their entire inspection history, or at least for the last few years. It's actually surprisingly detailed. So if you want to find out how clean or not clean your favorite restaurant is, you can do that. Problem is, the web application isn't particularly well designed and it isn't particularly well marketed either. So you really need to know the application exists and you need to look past its crummy exterior. Luckily, some fine people at Blog2Yo decided that this could serve as the perfect opportunity for public service announcements. For a number of years now, Blog2Yo has published a weekly feature called This Week on DineSafe, and it profiles which Toronto establishments have been issued yellow or red cards. Now, we wish we could tell you more information about the impact and the genesis of the articles, but unfortunately, getting hold of Blog2Yo has been very difficult. We sent them emails, tweets, we filled out the contact forms, but they never got back to us. So if anyone from BlogTO happens to hear this podcast and would like to give us more information, please contact us so we can update this story. With all that being said, this week on DineSafe is still a great example of open data journalism that also happens to provide a valuable service to Torontonians. And this is what open government looks like. This also concludes this episode of Stories from the Open Gov. Join us next week as we share with you even more stories about how open government and open data practitioners are changing the government you experience every day. In the meantime, leave us a rating or a comment about the episode or podcast and learn more about open government and open data by visiting our website at reopengov.org. Thank you for listening. Let's make it open.